tuned at Welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we begin each week the best way that we know how, and that is by talking IU and Big Ten basketball. Uh, I apologize for my voice. As you know, when I come back from Bloomington, uh, usually my voice is gone. This is actually as better than it normally is uh, after actually seeing a game and just doing all the talking that we do uh, while we're there. But I apologize that it's not in tip-top shape right now, so bear with me. Uh, but a couple quick housekeeping notes off the top. Before we talk to uh, Mike DeCourcy, number one. Now, obviously, Indiana plays Thursday night against Iowa, 8 o'clock Eastern tip. So we will not have Assembly Call Radio this week. We will, of course, have a post-game show for the IU-Iowa game. Uh, and then just remember, go check out our friends at homefieldapparel.com. The most unique, the most comfortable IU gear that you're going to find anywhere. And when you use the promo code ASSEMBLY20, ASSEMBLY20, you will get 20% off your entire order. All right. And now, I am pleased to welcome in. From the Big Ten Network, from the Sporting News, and now as a bracketologist for Fox, one of the hardest working men in college hoops, the venerable Mike DeCourcy. Uh, and Mike, you know, we are contractually obligated to talk about the IU-Purdue game, and so I suppose at some point we will uh, mention that, maybe in passing, you know, but not delve into it too much. But let's start out with the story of the weekend, really the story of the weekend in college basketball. Uh, which was Bob Knight returning to Assembly Hall. What were your thoughts on that moment and what it means for in Indiana and college basketball in general? Well, I, 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 was, I was happy to see it because I know how much it meant to the people who were there who continued, have continued to follow Indiana basketball in the 20 years, nearly 20 years since Bob departed. Uh, I, I was disappointed that it didn't come sooner, and not for me, I I don't care, and, but for the people who care about it and for Bob, because I, I, I think, look, I understood his enmity for the administration that removed him. Whether they were right or wrong, he's not going to view them as right. And no one would ex- and no one reasonable would expect him to view them as having made the right decision. So I understood that. But at a certain point, he was well aware that. Everyone, relatively everyone, that was in power to make those decisions had had moved on to different jobs, different positions, were no longer at Indiana. And still he held out this. And I think he missed a lot of pleasantness in his life over the course of the last decade or so. I, I thought the, the key, the moment that when it sh- easily could have happened and should have happened was when A.J. Guyton beseeched him in 2009 to attend the IU Athletics Hall of Fame uh, uh, induction in which in the class when Bob was going in and when A.J. was going in. And and I thought that that would have been a perfect time because Bob was still still very active and very young and very healthy and uh, and able to, to enjoy that. He would have had a decade more or more of being still a part of the community uh, uh, where he was embraced and, and revered. And he chose not to do that. He, he had clo- chose to cling on to uh, his anger. And then again in 2016, when they uh, celebrated the 1981 championship team, I was at the game. It was against North Carolina in, in the ECC Big Ten Challenge. And, and everybody was there, Isaiah, uh, Landon Turner, uh, so many wonderful players from the 81 team and he chose not to attend that either. And so there were all these opportunities for him to, to put it behind him. And, and, it, and it was sad that 
that he missed that those opportunities, but it was really a happy occasion that before it was too late, he was able to come back and feel that the 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 respect and love that people had been urging to 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 bury him with to 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 just uh, throw at him they they've been they've been aching to do that for twenty years and and he and he did not embrace it until now, but at least he finally did. And so I was really happy that that happened for the people who were in those stands, uh, for the people watching at home to whom it mattered, but they just, it didn't happen to, to be able to be at assembly hall that day. Uh, and to the players who were on the floor, who still revere him, who still believe in what he taught them. Uh, that was very important. And so all in all, it was great that it happened. And I, I was disappointed in not in, in in the in the in the need of some people to say yes, but there is no yes, but now he's he's been re- he's been retired for from coaching for a decade. Um, his methods, whatever whatever they were, are no longer relevant because he's retired, and nothing he did in his career broke the law or. Uh, or anything like that. If you disagreed with, you know, for those players who disagreed with what he did, uh, he, most of, you know, those, those gentlemen who, who left the program and chose to go somewhere else, that was fine. I mean, uh, Indiana for, for the period between 1972, I think it was, and then 2000 wanted him to be their coach and he was, and he was wildly successful. And so how you feel about how he coached when he, on, on a, on a day when he comes back, and is celebrated by those who appreciated him. I, I don't think it could be more irrelevant. It's a great point. What kind of impact do you think it can have on the current program? You know, Indiana fans often like to look at Michigan State as an example of a program, obviously, that holds this high perch in the Big Ten. You see the old players come back, the connection that they have with their history. And frankly, Indiana fans have been jealous of that because we feel like we have, you know, a, 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 even a greater history than they do. And, and where's it been? And we actually see that impacting the teams on the court now. Do you think this can help be a bridge that can help get Indiana to that? Or do you think it is more, you know, something that brings together, you know, makes maybe the past whole, but isn't going to have a big impact on the future? I'll be honest with you, Jared. I, I think that I think Indiana fans have to understand where they are at this moment in time. And, and what I mean by that is not, you can't get there, but you have to stop. If you're an Indiana fan, you know, bleeding through every moment and saying, this isn't the way it was. And so we have to start over in Indiana. Every time Indiana fans, uh, this isn't everybody, but this is a problematic group, a loud group. How, you know, the, 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 however powerful or, or loud or whatever they might be, I can't say, but they're already, you know, I mean, this season is not going in the direction over the course of the last several weeks that people would have wanted it to go. I, I, that's obvious. I mean, they've lost four games in a row. You know, it's funny how you just, you just mentioned Michigan state. We want to be like Michigan state. Well, they've lost three in a row too. So you are like Michigan state right now, <laughs> but uh, you not know, like I, that <laughs> when, when, when Mike Davis was the head coach, I was around a lot, you know, uh, and, and I know that the, there was consternation about Mike. Okay. So you move on and you, and you hire Tom and Tom is starting from a very bad position 
and and never was really allowed to get off the mat. I remember, and I've, I've written about this in 2010. There, I, I was at a Purdue Michigan State game. It was in late February of 2010. It was just after I joined the Big Ten Network, and I was at this Sunday afternoon game, and. I was in the press room and I was listening to people talk about whether Tom Crean was going to survive. This was his second year after he walked in the door and there were no, there were no play, there were no scholarship players on the roster by the time he began, you know, from the previous season, by the time he began his first year, he's in the second year. People are wondering if he's going to survive. I don't think Tom ever recovered from that. I think Tom made mistakes as a result of that perception and how it impacted his program. And now we're seeing the same arches in his third year. And he has recruited some excellent players to Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, a year ago, Romeo Lankford, young players like Jerome Hunter and Robert Finnessy, who who are going to be very good players. Uh, He's got a good group coming in next year. At some point you have to embrace the process. And if you don't, you're going to be consigned to continually going through this over and over again. You're, you're, you're never going to get to the top of the mountain if you're always blowing things up and starting the climb again. The, the, when, when Tom left, he was certainly a good enough coach. And the, the, the people who say he wasn't a good enough coach, I mean, okay, so he wasn't a good enough coach, but he made the Final Four at Indiana. He won two Big Ten titles. At in, excuse me, at Final Four at Marquette, he won two Big Ten titles. And of course, he was a good enough coach. I'm not, but he did make mistakes. And I wrote about it at the time he left. Uh, the recruiting base in Indiana, um, it had dissipated and there are too many great players in the state for the, for Indiana university, not to get its fair share of them, whether that fair share is to say, we want that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and leave the rest for everybody else or legitimately having to compete for all those guys, but getting some of them, I mean, you can't, you, you can't have all of them leaving the state. Uh, or, you know, or, or moving up to Purdue, if you're going to be the Indiana coach, you have to get some of those guys uh, because you, 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 when you have a recruiting base like this, you don't want to be getting the next best from wherever else you're going. You want to get the best from Indiana because look who the best have been. Mm-hmm. It's Wilkes or, or Travion Blewett or Zach Irvin and, and Gary Harris up at Michigan or whoever it might be. You have to get some of them. So now you are. Well, let it play out. If you don't do that, if you don't allow this to play out, then, you, like I said, you're just starting over again. And maybe you get a better coach, but how can you, how can you make your decision about whether Archie Miller is good enough after you've seen him on the job for three years? He did not walk into a perfect circumstance. The good players, the, the, the established good players who were in the program the day he took the job, left for the NBA, every single one of them. And so he was starting with a relatively meager roster, young roster. The young players he was left with have not embraced Indiana or each other or Arch or whatever it is, because we're seeing the same mistakes made now in year four that we saw in year two or three. Uh, and so, but you have to give him the chance to get all guys there who were who who he selected who bought into him as well i mean he when you're recruiting somebody you're selling yourself but they have to buy it 
So they're coming in predisposed to believe in you. And then if you mess it up, okay, then that's a different deal. But he hasn't had the opportunity to play with a full group like that. Now, you want to criticize him for continuing to ride players who have shown that that they are not either willing or capable of doing the things necessary to win Big Ten games. I, I, you know, I can't argue with that. I mean, you've got your two starting guards or your two veteran senior guards, I should say, that over the course of the last four games are shooting a combined 31.4% from the field. Man. On Saturday, in a game that you obviously clearly wanted to have, and it would, you know, I, I it wasn't a must win. There are no must wins now, but it was sure sure would have been a good one to have. And and in that game, you play Armand Franklin 10 minutes. Can I defend that decision? No, I I, I can't, and I wouldn't try. Uh, but I do think that the the uh, the thrust that I'm getting on Twitter that I'm hearing here and there through, through, uh, various sites, message boards, uh, all that kind of stuff to, that you need to, to, to move on is, is it, it's not just silly and counter, it's counterproductive. Yeah. It's counterintuitive because if you move on, you're starting all over again. And you've done this now three times already without ever really allowing the process to completely reach fruition. You bring up some really good points there, um, and I'm I'm on the same page with you about it it being too early to make those final judgments. Let me play devil's advocate for a second because I want to get your perspective on something, and and remove this from the specifics of the situation. What are some red flags along the way that even after three years might make you say, hmm, and question if it's the right fit? And I'm not saying that they need to be applied to Indiana, but. We both agree that it's too early, but what are some of those red flags that might give you some pause? Well, I think that, first of all, like not just losing four games in the most competitive Big Ten in history, um, not the best. I mean, it's not 1989. You don't have um, Bardo and uh, and uh, you're, you don't have Steve Bardo and Nick Anderson and uh, don't and say Nick Anderson Kenny battle and. <laughs> Uh, the guy, the flying Illini and Terry Mills and Romeo Robinson, you don't have all those guys running around. And of course the great Indiana team, it's different. And so it's not that the, the level of the, of competition all over college basketball, you don't have as many four-year guys, three-year guys as you used to I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about you have 14 teams and 12 of them are in the hunt for an NCAA tournament. As I wrote last week uh, on Thursday, there's never been a league like this ever uh, playing 20 league games with that many tournament contenders. Now, in, in, 19, in 1991, the Big East had nine teams and eight of them were alive. So you went through quite a grind that year. But you only played 16 league games. So you had half the season, basically, where you could breathe a little bit if you wanted to. And so it wasn't like this. But this is, this, this is every night in the Big Ten. You go out and you're playing. And in Indiana, more than almost anybody. I mean, I showed you that two, three weeks ago, that mm-hmm. schedule. It was at that point, it was 14 out of 15 were against tournament contenders. And now you're past the one game that's not. So that means all the way down the, the line. So losing three, four games in that doesn't, you know, we got Hall of Famers doing that. So that's not the indicator. The indicator is if, if you, first of all, if you're losing all the games, that's a problem. Uh, but even then, that's, you can overreact. I mean, a year ago, 
Penn State lost their first 11 games, I believe it was, in the Big Ten. The first 11 games, they started 0-11. Mm-hmm. Now they're flirting with a 4-5 seed because they decided that it was prudent to wait that, you know, once Lamar Stevens decided to come back and Mike Watkins decided to come back, that they were going to have a, cap- a team capable of doing something. So let's see if they could do it. And Pat and his staff built a group around that uh, that has – has complimented those guys and accelerated their growth. And now they're terrific. And so the, everybody in sports, and this is not in the, this is not endemic to Indiana fans. This is a lot of fans in, I mean, this is a lot of fans in every of every team in every sport that isn't on top. They want to fire the coach. You know, I, I, I'm, it's well known that I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and and, and the Steelers have an established culture over 50 years. They've had three head coaches in 50 years. And because of that, they have as many Super Bowls as anybody, only the Patriots have as many, as many playoff wins as anybody, only Dallas has as many, as many regular, more regular season wins than anybody in, that, in, in, the, in those 50 years. Uh, and yet, they're still a loud and, and, and agitated portion of the fan base that wants to fire Mike Tomlin pretty much every year, even though their team culture says this is how we do it and it works. They still want to do it. So this is not a criticism of Indiana fans specifically, because I know a lot of them out there understand they're not, you know, that this is an evolution that the process still hasn't reached complete completion. You're only in year three. Now, if at some point in the future, if the players in Indiana that I've talked about the one, the, the next trace, uh, the next Romeo, the next Robert or, or whomever said, you know, it's just not happening there. I'm, I want to go somewhere where I can, where I can be sure that I'm going to make the show and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, you know, featured and uh, on, on uh, TV on the, on, you know, on the, the brightest spotlights and against the best teams and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then that's a problem. But we've not reached that, and 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 clearly the prospects know that too. And they still are out there, and you know this better than I do because you've seen these guys and you followed the Indiana recruiting more closely than I do. But that hasn't been a problem to, to this point. So I, you know, I think you have to give it a little time to evolve. And I understand it's difficult to be patient in those circumstances, and you want it to be better. And there have been times this year when when it hinted that it could be better. But when I see uh, th- that team come out after halftime and with all the buzz in that building, and I see Purdue run a simple baseline screen for Sasha Stefanovic, and I see his defender not even try to get in the play, you know, then I know that it's, that it, it's, you, you need, you know, you still have progress to make. And as I said, I think that, I think it's justified for Arch to consider, you know, starting that process immediately. But I don't think it's justified to say that Indiana needs to start the whole process all over. Yeah, Mike, that second half. I try not to overreact to body language type stuff, but I was actually sitting right by the tunnel where they come, where they came out, and I elbowed my buddy next to me. I said, "We're we're done." When they came out for the second half, you're right. Then the first play, No Joe Eastern goes and gets a wide open layup. It was. Look, we only have you for a limited amount of time, and I want to talk Big Ten. So do you have any burning opinions on the IU-Purdue game that you want to share? 
If you do, we'll I think hit that on, one but. was the I I I, I highlighted that um, on BTN that play that I was talking about the yeah. I think that was the game in a microcosm, really. Yeah, that was that was it. And and you know, and I think Purdue played really well, and they played with a lot of competitive intensity, and that's something. And they they did some confidence, and that's something they hadn't done on the road at all. I mean, maybe in the Ohio U game, I I didn't see that one. It was Ohio U, um, but I saw you know, we had the Northwestern game on our air the week prior and they weren't good. I mean, they weren't good on the road at all, except for the final, you know, even the final four minutes, they weren't good. It just Northwestern was that poor in those four minutes. They were good on the final two plays. Uh, the, especially the, they, they were in a beautiful set. It was just gorgeous. that got Sasha, the open three in that one, but that was it. That was the only great basketball they played in those 40 minutes against Northwestern. And they won, but on Saturday they played with great fire and, and great confidence and, and so good for them that they've that they found uh, uh, the ability to do that on the road. But I really thought that that one play, when I saw that, I knew that there was something missing. And I, I would say that anybody wants to see what the problem that I perceive is should check the, the full box score uh, of Indiana Purdue and see the plus minus. Plus minus isn't the only stat out there. It's not the be all and end all, but it can tell you some truths. And the plus minus on the Indiana side in that game can tell you a lot of truth. I haven't even looked at it, but I'm guessing I could probably predict what it, <laughs> what it says. <laughs> okay, here, here's the bright spot. Here's the bright spot. You said Purdue hadn't been playing with confidence. Who did they play before Indiana? Iowa's defense at home in February. That has been an elixir for confidence for Big Ten teams in the past. Maybe that's what Indiana needs on Thursday with, uh, with Iowa coming to town. Because you said there aren't must-wins, and this still technically isn't a must-win. But oh boy, does it really feel like one on Thursday? Yeah, you got to win some. I mean, it, that's it, it, it's going to feel that way, and it's going to feel like it's going to be hard to find the ticket back uh, if you don't, because it is a home game against a high quality opponent, and if you get it, it solves a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, the confidence. You know, honestly, the confidence that that Purdue had in the Iowa game came from the fact that they've played that way at Mackey all year. True. Oh, Indiana has to get back to playing that way in assembly hall. And I understand that, you know, being booed is no fun, but that, but that crowd did not boo until it reached until that game reached bottom. It wasn't, they were on the side of the Hoosiers. That crowd wanted to erupt yes. so yes. badly because <laughs> yes. I was there yes. waiting to erupt. Yes, that's, oh. uh, so I'm not. I am not. You know, I'm not a big Boo College fan, college players guy or anything. But I'm going to say that it's not like they came out and and were and were saying, you know, show me, prove it to me. And they were on the side. They were doing their job through the first 25 minutes, 28 minutes, whatever it was, in terms of trying to create a home court atmosphere that would make Indiana comfortable and confident. And it still didn't happen. So yeah. it's going come from within as much as it's going to have to come from above well let, with the time that we have left let's take a step back look at the conference a little bit what were your biggest takeaways from the conference games this past week well I think that uh, the first takeaway was Isaiah Livers return at Michigan you know I've been I've been seeing and hearing a lot of conversation from other people who cover national college basketball about Michigan and what's wrong with Michigan. And I've always been just bewildered by how, how do you not say, well, they're missing their best player and that kind of is an issue. 
I mean, that's really the reality. I mean, I realized not the most valuable player. I mean, they, they would be really lost without Xavier Simpson, but their best player is Isaiah Livers at this point. I mean, he had become that in the first two months of the season, and then he gets hurt, and they're not as good. That's it. That's the story. They were they and, and I and I looked it up and I did the numbers and they are nine and three now nine and three with wins over Iowa and uh, and Gonzaga and several other big time programs nine and three including Michigan State on Saturday nine and three in games he finishes so like if he wow. like left the Presbyterian game after three minutes doesn't count left the Illinois game I think it was when he got hurt on the dunk after twenty minutes doesn't count so you just look at the games he finishes they're nine and three with like four quad one wins. And that's a that's a really solid team. So I'm not, I'm not promising they're going to go out and play at that level now, uh, nine and three, whatever winning percentage that is. I guess that's seven fifty. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win seventy five percent of their games for the rest of the year, but I think they're going to be a, a team to be reckoned with. So that would be my first key takeaway. I think Michigan. On the flip side of that, Michigan State. I see a team that is struggling to figure out who are its guys, other than. You know, you know, Cassius is one and you know that that Xavier Tillman is another. But who are your guys? I mean, he's he's put a lot of different players out there trying to find something that clicks. Uh, And at times, I think he's ridden some players that aren't clicking for him. Uh, Rocket Watts being one. Uh, Rocket had a really rough go on Saturday. You want to talk about plus minus? I believe he was minus 22 in 14 minutes on Saturday. Holy moly. That's not easy to do. Wow. So, and look, I think Rocket's a really good prospect and can be a very good player. I just think he's got to rearrange the way he plays because I think he's going to be a really good player in the Big Ten. I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything like that. He's a really talented kid. He's going to be a good player. Uh, so just needs to figure it out. Uh, and, and I think that Malik Hall is going to be a really good player, but I, I don't think he's delivering for them some of what they need. And so you either get them to that level or you move to different guys. And, and I think that Tom is, is sort of searching at this point. And again, you know, I, t- I, I use this in that, I use them as, as an example in that column I wrote, like if they're in Louisville's position right now, they're fine. Cause they play, you know, they go play wake, they go play um, Clemson or they go play Georgia tech and, and, and they're still kind of figuring it out and it's okay. Cause you're still going to win. And then you, turn a page, and then you figure some more stuff out. It, Louisville, up until the Duke game, didn't really know who their point guard was. Then David Johnson comes out, freshman, really talented. He missed the first couple of – first about six weeks, five weeks, something like that with an injury, so he's way behind. And then now he's gradually getting into it. He has the great Duke game, and then he has, has a little step back, and they struggle. And then he goes out against Virginia on Saturday – and the lights are on again, and he's great again. And But all that can be worked out for them because they're not being put into this blender every night. Well, Michigan State is. And just as Purdue is and Iowa is and Illinois is and Indiana is, they're all in the same blender, and it's hard to get out. And no one's getting out until the NCAA tournament. So I, you know, I think that that's affected Michigan State's development ever since they lost Joshua Langford in the preseason. And, you know, Tom likes to play a really challenging non-league schedule, and that didn't help them this year. This was a year in which, you know, once Josh was out, they needed some chance to get their feet on the ground. 
It wasn't there then. It's not there now. And it's not going to be easy to get there. I'll never put it past Tom figuring it out, but it's going to be really hard because that, you know, their next two games are Illinois and Maryland. And then the two after that are probably going to be hard too. I think the logo for the big 10 tournament should just be a blender. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just make that the logo and just like yes. hit that sound coming in and out of every yes. game. Um, all right. Welcome other, to the blender. Yeah. Welcome to the blender. So other than Indiana, Iowa, and then obviously Indiana goes to Michigan this weekend is then they play four, four out of five games on the road. That'll be interesting. Um, what are some other games to keep an eye on this week? Well, I think it starts with those games that, that, that Michigan State plays because it's so, you know, on, on the heels of a three-game losing streak, they have to go to Illinois tomorrow evening. Uh, and Illinois is coming off a loss, going to want to win that one really badly. And then they have a home game uh, over the weekend against Maryland, which is great, except it's Maryland. And Maryland right now, is the one team in the league, uh, maybe not the only one, but the the supreme team in the league at having discovered who they are, what they want to be, uh, how what their winning formula is, and so that's you know now it would represent a great coup for the for the Spartans if they could get that one because Maryland's the top team in the league right now, standings wise, and the team that's playing the best. So it, there's opportunity in every Big Ten game, just about. But there's also that incredible challenge when you're not performing well. So those are those two games are the ones that really I think will define this week uh, because of who they involve. And then last question for you: Any you know you talked about Isaiah Livers and some of those other guys from teams we haven't mentioned. Any individual performances that really stood out to you? Well, Lamar Stevens was phenomenal on Saturday, a career high against Minnesota, and not just that, but also at a point in the game when John Hara was starting to tire and, and they, Mike Watkins was not having a good day. So they didn't want to go back to him. Uh, they used Lamar against Daniel Oturu and he battled and, and, you know, Oturu had a great day that day too, but uh, John and, and Lamar made, made Daniel work for everything he got. And I think that affected the outcome and it affected, you know, Daniel maybe needed to score 45 for them to win that game. But if those guys had played average defense, he would have. And he's Daniel's terrific, and 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 he knew what he needed to do that day. They weren't getting a lot from the perimeter, and I, if he had been able to, I think he would have gone for forty-five. And those those two guys, even at, even for a, I think what was a career high for Daniel, uh, I still think they did a phenomenal defensive job. So uh, a lot of credit to Lamar for that. Uh, I think that at this point, Anthony Cowan, uh, you know, I I think I said a week ago that he was having a nice year. I think I, this last week he was really good, uh, very special. I think he's a big, you know, obviously a big part of why Maryland is where they are. Uh, he's performed really, really, really well uh, over the last week. So a lot of credit to him as well. The, you know, the league is full of terrific players. How about Geo Baker on Sunday? 23 points after halftime. Only two in the first half, didn't play well, had been in a slump for the previous two games. So the slump lasted two and a half games. And then he went off for 23 points. When he gets that step back going, if you try to defend him one-on-one, you're at his mercy. Now, he may not make the shot, but he's getting it off. That step back is impossible to defend by a single player. Uh, once he gets the ball and gets in rhythm, uh, you, you know it's you can't stop him with one guy unless you can somehow keep the ball out of his hands. 
because that step back, it, he's he gets as far far enough back that you can't reach it, and he's very comfortable shooting it. He's not going to shoot 100% on it, but he came pretty close in Sunday evening's game. Boy, it's nice to have a guard like that that can that will step up and make plays and make shots. That Sometimes that's what you need to win games like this in the Big Ten blender, as we are now going to call it. Well, Mike, thank you for your insight. We appreciate it, and uh, we hope to talk to you with a more upbeat tone next week after these two games for Indiana. <laughs> All right, Jared, thanks. Cool, thanks, Mike. The great Mike DeCourcy here with us every Monday talking IU basketball, talking Big Ten basketball uh, here on the Assembly Call. You know, and Mike obviously makes some you know some good points there, and you know, I don't saw someone in the chat mob just popped in and said you know, fire Archie, give Beard a blank check, whatever. I mean, you know, I, I think Mike is absolutely right that that stuff is counterproductive. At this point, I think it's way too early to say stuff like that. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that there aren't some red flags, that there aren't some serious issues. I mean, watching watching that game up close and just, you know, having talked to people, being there this weekend, it's, I think the thing that concerns me the most more than the X's and O's and all that stuff. And, you know, we can talk about all those things and they matter. But I think the biggest thing is, man, it just feels like a team and a players and a coach that aren't on the same page. You know, just from watching, you know, the interactions, watching the body language, watching how they execute and, you know, juxtaposed with, you know, what Purdue did. That's the thing. And so I know, you know, we talked about on the, you know, in the live post game show, one thing we talked about is how, you know, Purdue does everything in a rhythm offensively. And with Indiana, everything looks like kind of a slog. And yeah, I think, look, part of that is just the X's and O's and what they're running. And, you know, the fact that obviously Matt Painter has been there for 14 years and they've been doing it for longer and all that stuff certainly makes a difference. But I also just think at a, at a larger, higher level, it just feels like there's more buy-in. You know, and that that's the thing that concerns me right now, because, you know, it, it's one thing to be fighting, you know, just some execution issues or some, you know, some strategic issues when you're facing teams this difficult. But I mean, if you're actually facing like general, like, are we fully bought into what we're doing here issues? I mean, holy smokes, that's a recipe for just getting ground up in this blender. No question about it. So, you know, I, I, there are no easy answers. Like, it's easy to say you know, bench this guy, bench that guy, change this strategy, play this rotation, do all of these things. And, you know, in a micro sense for one sequence of the game, you know, maybe that helps. Like we talked about, hey, go with the smaller lineup, do that. And that's all fine and well and good. But I just don't think anything is going to matter until the people in the uniforms and in the suits are all kind of on the same page, moving in the same direction. You know, and I don't, you know, I don't know what, what, makes that happen if that will happen but that to me is the biggest issue right now and really the biggest concern that I have for the team moving forward because we've seen it like we've seen what this team can do they're always going to be imperfect because of the roster that they have and just some of the limitations you know it's it's never it's probably never going to look pretty even when it's at its best but when this team is really playing hard and together and they're grinding on defense and you know they're they're moving the ball crisply on offense and at least you know even if they have limitations shooting wise or passing or whatever at least if they're all doing the same thing on the same page it can work and they can even beat good teams especially at home but that's the kind of that's what you fall back on when the adversity comes and I think that's why this team struggles so much with the adversity 
you know, it's like if you don't if you don't believe in the message that you're hearing and you don't believe in each other, you don't believe in what you're doing, then when the going gets tough, what do you have to fall back on? And, you know, that to me is the story of this season, because when this team has needed something to fall back on in a tough situation, they haven't really had it. And, you know, and that's that that's a difficult thing. And I don't think you can pin that just on the coach, just on the players. It's just right now, this collection of individuals hasn't been able to figure out how to get on that same page. And obviously that's ultimately Archie's responsibility to find a way to make that happen. You know, and we'll see. I mean, if you ask me like, okay, well, do you think it's going to happen this year? Well, I, I really don't know. Um, I, I hesitate to make a prediction on it because you never know. And, and one thing we've learned is right when things seem like they're at, at about their worst, sometimes, you know, things bounce back up and you get on a good roll. And so I'm certainly holding out hope that that can happen. Um, but I did not, I did not come away from my weekend in Bloomington. You know, and we, like I came away more encouraged about the big picture of Indiana basketball. I mean, the fan support is there. The belief is there. The energy is there. It, you know, it was so great seeing the students out there and, you know, seeing that pregame energy. I was talking to my buddy that I went to the game with and I was like, man, it used to feel like this all the time. Like when we were growing up in Bloomington, it was like every game felt like this where it was big. It was an important game. There was energy. You know, the students are out there. It's like we got to get back to that point again where every single game feels like this. Well... <laughs> You know, when you have an atmosphere like that and then you deliver a product like that on the court, that is not the way to get there. Um, but knowing that that was there and then seeing what happened at halftime, you know, with Coach Knight coming back and and all those things, you know, that made me feel better about the big picture. But from a micro sense, this team, this season, I probably walked away from the weekend feeling worse, maybe even a lot worse. Um, and I know, I know, I you know, I try to keep things positive. You guys know that. Um, but I, you know, that's only when it's genuine. Like I don't make that up, <laughs> you know, um, I always try to give you my candid feelings on it. Um, you know, so I'm really, I'm going into Thursday. I am, I'm, I'm purposefully going into Thursday without expectations. Like I'm making myself go into that game without expectations because if I allow the recency bias of what I just saw on Saturday, I already know what the expectations are going to be. They're not going to be good, and there's just there's no use in that. So I'm just I'm wiping that clean. I'm going to go into it as as best I can with no expectations and see what this team has. Because you know, look, if there was ever a moment to deliver, you know, a great performance and come together and be inspired and all those things, it was Saturday against Purdue, and they did not do it. And that would lead anybody to have reasonable questions about their ability to do it. So now, you know, with some you know, some time obviously to prepare for this Iowa game and to let that Purdue performance sink in and to maybe be embarrassed about it collectively or called out for it or, you know, by the coach or whatever, like whatever needs to happen, whether it's, you know, more negative reinforcement, more positive reinforcement, like I don't know because I'm not there. I only know, you know, little bits and pieces that I hear and that's, you know, not enough to make a judgment on. But whatever needs to happen, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen Thursday, you know, and if it doesn't, then when? So, again, I'm just going to go into it and let's just see what happens. Because if they can do it and if they can get things going, then you got a chance down the stretch. And if they don't Thursday night, well, I think we all know what that means. So I don't really think I need to say it. So that's kind of that's kind of how I'm feeling. If you just want me to kind of bare my soul about my uh, my thoughts on the current team right now, um, so. 
We'll see. Anyway, um, good stuff from Mike DeCourcy, as always. We'll be there with a post-game show no matter what uh, after after the Iowa game and down the stretch. As you know, we're always going to be there with a post-game show for you. Um, and hopefully we have some more good games to talk about. Really appreciate you guys being here. And hey, I, you know, we've said this a bunch. We really can't say it enough. But thank you, you know, not just to everybody who was there. I mean, obviously, huge thank you to everybody who was in town, everybody who came up to us, who let us know what the show means to you, who was there at Switchyard. I mean, it was so great doing that and having so many of you there. But, you know, I know there are a lot of you who can't be there. And the majority of our audience doesn't live in Bloomington. And you're like us. You know, you're away and you want to stay connected to Bloomington and to Indiana basketball, you know, through the chat mob and through this podcast and through watching the games and through Twitter and all those things, you know, thank you guys too. You know, because I know so many of you would have been there if you could have been and you sent positive, encouraging words anyway and you listen to the replay and, you know, you keep our spirits high even when we may be a little bit frustrated with the team. Um, you know, that's we, we were having a conversation, the guys and I, um, yeah, I mean, we had many conversations this weekend, you know, but, you know, we talked about how, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, we, we come on here after games and we're, you know, four middle-aged guys staring into a computer talking about college kids playing basketball, you know, which when you, <laughs> you state it like that really makes the whole thing sound kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But, you know, on a higher level, what these, what going to Bloomington and what these meetups always reminds us of is that, you know, that's just the topic of conversation. The reason why this matters, the reason why we still do it, the reason why you listen for the most part you know, the reason why, you know, you come to meetups like that is because, you know, in a world where it's really easy to get fractured and to feel lonely and to feel like you're not connected, you know, Indiana basketball and even, you know, to some small extent, this show helps us feel connected, helps us feel like we belong to something, gives us something to connect over, gives us something to experience emotions with, you know, like whether it's good, bad, positive, negative, whatever, you know, whether we want to celebrate or need catharsis, like we know we can come do it together. And that's why we're really proud to do this and really enthusiastic to do this. And there's always going to, you know, you can get some of that virtually, but man, that the in-person experience of getting that, it, it, it brings it home. It makes it sinks in. It makes it sink in so much more. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so appreciative of those opportunities that we get to meet everybody in person. And by the way, you know, to all of you who have donated and supported us, you know, we use that money to go, you know, to go do these trips. Um, and so, you know, thank you for that, for helping to make it possible because it just, you know, it fills us with even more enthusiasm to keep doing this, um, and to understand what the deeper underlying purpose is just for this show and for, you know, for all the, you know, the, the reasons why you listen to Hoosier Hysterics and Crimson Cast and Hoosier Heartland and, you know, all those shows. I mean, that's, that's why you do it. The reason why you pop into to message boards, you know, I mean, yeah, you get in there to rant, you get in there to get inside information, but I think on a deeper level, you get in there to connect with people that have a similar interest that, then, you know, that you do. Um, and so I know that's why we do it. And so that's, uh, anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to end this on a positive. <laughs> so, and I, and I am, I, you know, everybody, how was the weekend? I was like, other than the game, it was great. It was amazing. You know, it would, I mean, it, it, it was just fantastic. So it's important to keep that in perspective. Um, uh, Remind me of that Thursday night if, if things don't go well and I struggle to keep it in perspective, but that's, uh, that's why we're here doing this. So thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back to talk with you Thursday night um, after IU Iowa. Keep your head up. Um, try to find as many positives as you can. 
and let's go into Thursday, see what this team does, be ready to support them, because that is what we do as fans. We'll obviously critique what needs to be critiqued, but let's be ready to support if they give us reason to you know, to get excited and cheer and do all those things. Let's be ready to, to be right there with them, um, and hopefully they do. We'll find out Thursday night. Talk to you guys then. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.